If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Game Dev Unchained. I am your co-host, Brandon Pham. I am just here by myself introducing our episode, which is a clip from GDUX. GDUX was our three-day event where we basically interviewed 20 developers about the lifestyle thereof and how to succeed and win as a game developer. If you missed us, shame on you. But here's your second chance. This is a preview of Emma Kanema from GameWorks Unite kind of kicking us off in the right way by uh, talking about unionization. But uh, if you are wanting to hear the rest of the content, please visit our youtube.com forward slash bluechamps. We'll try our best once in a while to drop GDUX content throughout the rest of the year. Recording new interviews is going back to schedule. If you are listening to this right now, that means our first video podcast interview is happening live at 11 a.m. Tuesdays on twitch.tv forward slash bluechamps. So from this day forward, if you want to catch us live, go over there and watch the interview. Our podcast will soon happen a week after If you are following us and supporting us on Patreon, you will get it the day of. So you get it actually every episode a week early, the recording of it. So, But everyone gets an equal chance if you want to catch us live and listen while you're working or even better watch us for the very first time. Go over to our twitch.tv forward slash bluechamps. So this episode, as mentioned before, is a segment from GDUX. We did this between June 4th and June 6th. 20 speakers blessed us with their presence and was able to speak on their particular topic. We wanted to start it right. We wanted to set the tone of what GDUX was to make sure that everybody that was uh, coming to watch us live or even the recording knows exactly why we are throwing the event. And as longtime listeners, you know why. We are trying to better ourselves. We are trying to help our fellow colleagues in the game industry that are struggling to succeed in every which way. That's why we created GDUX and invited all industry professionals from all corners of the industry, like Emma Kanema, to talk about the subjects on a personal level, to really relate to everybody that is listening, watching, of how to do and succeed, but most importantly, have takeaways as soon as the lecture or the talk is over. So without further ado, thank you for supporting us so far. Schedule is going to be back to normal Tuesdays as well as uh, from audio form, but uh, also in YouTube form, you will see us and hear us. So, all right, let's go ahead and start the episode. We finally successfully made contact. Emma is joining us. 
Brandon, I'm going to let you go ahead and do some transition magic. And again, guys, thank you so much for being here for the first part of Game Dev Unchained Expo Day 1. I'm going to speak no more because I think Emma's ready to go. So I believe if I hit this button right here. Oh, man, it feels so I feel so official with this thing down here. Hey, Emma. Hey, Emma, nice for joining us. Yeah, we can hear you just fine. Can you hear us? I'm a labor organizer of eight plus years and a game developer for longer. Um, I started out as a hobbyist and a game student, then eventually an unpaid intern. Uh, I've worked in freelance and part-time. Um, I've worked mobile games, AAA, independent, you name it. Um, and somewhat unexpectedly found myself starting an international labor movement um, about a year ago. So that's kind of where I'm at and um, kind of a little bit about me. So... Uh, I'm going to cover briefly um, kind of the state of games labor in 2019, um, why I feel like and many of us feel like uh, unions are kind of the answer to a lot of the issues that we're facing, um, cover some basic misconceptions and foundational information about what unions really are, um, talk a little bit about Game Workers Unite and how pretty much every single person involved um, can and should be uh, engaged with this movement. So, um, yeah, so... Kind of like uh, what Brandon was saying kind of a bit ago, the games industry is kind of a weird one. Um, it's incredibly international um, and kind of distributed all over, but um, it's very connected online. And I think this conference is a great example of that, right? Um, AAA is pretty concentrated in some expensive urban areas. Um, and, uh, you know, AA, so-called, and single A and, and indie developers are kind of strewn kind of pretty much everywhere else, right? Um, pretty much anywhere someone lives, there's probably someone making games, right? Um, so that pre presents some pretty interesting challenges for our industry. Um, and then some general issues we tend to face. I mean, some of these were just touched on, um, but, you know, things like mass crunch, contract employment, miscategorization, miscategorization so you know, lots of QA testers and things are miscategorized as contract labor, um, which means employers don't get to or don't have to pay benefits and things like that um, and, and fair wages. Um, we've got issues, of course, like mass layoffs. That's very notable. Um, lots of job instability, unstable health care, at least in the United States. Um, yeah, I mean, y'all were talking about a six to 10 year industry burnout rate, which is pretty terrible. <laughs> uh, there's ageism. There's a lack of resources, lack of transparency. Uh, lack of on-ramps for recent graduates and folks who are new to the industry, and plenty of bad credit, crediting practices. You know, places like Rockstar don't even credit workers um, if they leave uh, before the game is shipped. So you could literally work five years on a game, uh, leave like a year before it ships, and never even be in the credits. Um, and, and on and on and on, right? There's all kinds of issues that we face in this industry, right? And so like we were talking about, it feels like it's become pretty cyclical. People have really gotten quite used to this. We see, uh, you know, article headlines, just like all of these, you know, pretty much, you know, week to week uh, at this point, maybe every once every two weeks, some kind of scandal, some kind of big layoff, some kind of big issue at a company. Um, and it doesn't really show any signs of improving for the immediate future. It seems to just be continuing as it is. And the truth is it's not terribly new actually to the industry. Um, Although it feels like in 2018 and certainly 2019, it feels like we've hit some kind of tipping point where all these things are happening much more commonly. Um, it's really been happening for a long time, kind of under the surface, as it were. Um, and I feel like we've grown pretty used to it, you know, as the smoke and the flames kind of come up around us. We're like, well, it's just the games industry. That's how it is. It's creative and passionate. And like, we're just here for the love of making games. And so we can kind of deal with it, right? 
except for I'm pretty sure at this point, a lot of us are feeling a little bit more like the dog in this frame where um, we're kind of realizing that maybe enough is enough, you know, maybe a six year average burnout rate for game devs to leave the industry is not sustainable. Maybe we're losing massive amounts of talent. Maybe we're like losing profits as well by prioritizing like quick business decisions and not long-term stability and growth and, and growth and health for the workers. workers. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, so, and so essentially this mess, mess in, in, in a normal industry, industry it'd be pretty bad, bad, right? Right. It'd be pretty, pretty, pretty significant. Always, always be pretty bad, bad and common in common other industries. Price, but frankly, in an industry, industry that's more than more than music, music is compliant on a global scale. It's kind of absurd. Like this industry is immensely wealthy, and yet we have QA testers living in ext extremely expensive cities like San Francisco or Seattle or New York or London, and are making minimum wage. Right? Um, it's pretty messed up. Um, and even if people, you know, like their jobs, even if people feel pretty well paid, they're still not actually making the value that they create back in their income. Right? Um, there, there's a discrepancy there. And, and the problem is bad business de decision-making. A lot of the profits are going, getting sucked up to C-level people, people like CEOs, CTOs, um, and, and the management class. Um, and so it's really important to kind of step back and consider how like one of the most wealthy um, industries on the planet really isn't treating its workers well, right? There's really no excuse. Even if we love it, and I do, I love working in the games industry. All the organizers I know love working in the industry, but um, there's really no excuse to be treating people this badly and things can always be better. I think learning to understand that we can always be improving is really important. So how do we see an answer to this? Um, a lot of us, frankly, think unions, um, you know, and, and naturally when you say that, like, you think unions can solve a problem, you, you kind of hear a lot of like, well, unions aren't a silver bullet. They have lots of pros and cons. Like, let's talk about this forever. And it's true. There are pros and cons. And there's certain examples of like unions in the past that didn't function terribly well, but but as a whole, uh, at its very core, it's a tool that is very useful and we really think is a better way to um, fix the industry. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of people ask kind of, okay, so why unions? Like what actually about unions works? Why not just do things like advocate for better conditions or expose bad working conditions in the industry, right? What about going to the press? What about writing essays or white papers, right? Conducting research about crunch and burnout um, have you tried asking politely? Like, have you asked your manager for better conditions, right? The problem with all these things is while, yes, in theory, those things are good and those things should absolutely continue to happen, we've been doing that for years in this industry, for literal decades. Um, we have been doing all of these things, right? There have always been groups advocating for better conditions. There's always been um, at least some press attention to conditions, um, and certainly that's ramped up in the last few years. And, and, you know, it just, we haven't accomplished it. We haven't, we haven't actually moved forward as a mature labor force. We haven't actually improved conditions on the whole. Um, and in fact, there's some kind of, some argument to be made that uh, pay has actually slipped on average from back in like the 80s and 90s um, over the last two decades. So these kinds of things aren't really working, right? And we kind of have to ask the question, why? So why unions, right? Like, so what about unionization is something that can actually provide hopefully a solution to these issues, right? And it's pretty simple, it's leverage. Um, unions give workers leverage. So what I mean by that is 
individually, us workers really don't have a lot of influence or power or say in our workplace, even at the best of workplaces. And I genuinely really love mine. And I think it's a fantastic place to work. And it's as good as I've seen. And yet, um, we just don't have a lot of leverage. We're not really the decision makers. Um, and let alone just making decisions, we're really not even at, we don't even have like a seat at the table to even have a voice heard, let alone actually helping make the decisions, right? And so individually, we have a very little amount of power, whereas bosses have a lot of power as individuals, right? Because they have more money, they have control over the, the functioning of the company, they make decisions for everyone, and it kind of trickles down from there, right? It's a pretty top-down hierarchy. Um, unions, on the other hand, um, if enough of us workers get together, we can actually wield a lot of leverage because of the fact that we are the ones who actually make games, our bosses don't. Our managers don't. Our um, you know CEOs don't make games. We are the ones who make games, right? And without us, literally nothing can happen at that company. And so if we can understand that and understand our own actual value and the fact that all the profit and value that comes out of a company is generated by its workers at the end of the day. And so if we can wield that knowledge and if we can like come together in unity and, and try to find collective solutions to issues in the workplace, that is how we get leverage, right? And and unionization is the process by which we do that. Um, and I would also add that like, it's not a terribly individualistic industry to start with. Like if you think about games, it's, and anyone who know, who's like actually made and shipped a game knows it's kind of a miracle if a game actually gets shipped effectively, because, um, you know, even on an average size game, you've got possibly dozens or hundreds, sometimes even you've got thousands of workers all working together, working in collaboration with tons of different skill sets. And I'm talking like art and writing and audio and programming and design, QA testing, community management, marketing, PR, whatever, you name it. Um, that's a profound amount of collaboration, um, pretty much more than any entertainment industry I can imagine. Like we have a huge mix and diversity of talents. And we're already really good at collaborating. Um, if we can just take that same kind of sense of collectivism and sense of unity and apply that to improving our actual industry and our workplace, it, I mean, things would change in a blink of an eye, right? Just, we are already such a collaborative uh, medium. If we can just, yeah, apply that to the day to day, uh, we can affect a, a whole lot of change. So that's the kind of idea behind why unions are kind of the tool of choice. Um, on top of that, I want to kind of clarify maybe a little bit about what unions really are, because people certainly have misconceptions. I know I grew up with misconceptions. So um, to start it off, I guess, at its most core, it's really important to understand that unions are really two or more workers in the workplace coming together to support one another and identify core issues and finding ways to collectively solve them. Um, and that's really it. At the very core, that is what a union is. If there's two or more workers trying to solve problems together, that's a union, right? And the idea is you want to grow that. You want to get it to a majority. You want to be as inclusive and have as many voices um, having their say as possible because a union is really about democracy. It's about injecting democracy into the workplace, which otherwise is very undemocratic. And so to have democracy function well, you need high levels of engagement. You need lots of voice being heard. You need people who are self-empowered to speak up and have their opinions shared with the group. So that's really what it's all about. Um, 
you know, people can join existing larger regional and national unions, but that's not the only path forward. Um, very much so people can form independent local unions just in their company, just in their studio. Um, and it's really up to the workers to decide that kind of path forward. So if a group of workers really doesn't want to pair with like a larger union, they don't have to. They can just solve problems themselves in their workplace, right? There's pros and cons to each of these paths. Um, and we encourage people to learn about those, right? Um, and in a majority of countries around the world, your right to organize a union is actually protected against boss retaliation. It's a very common protection in most countries nowadays. And so that means like, um, you know, if a boss threatens to dock your pay or fire you or move you to other departments to kind of pressure you out of the company, that's all retaliation. And if they're doing that because you're trying to unionize or organize and trying to improve the conditions of your fellow coworkers, that's typically a protected right. And so I think that's a misconception people don't understand that uh, you actually can't just be fired willy-nilly just because the boss doesn't like you now. Um, you know, and, you know, bosses will often, like, try to get away with that. They'll try to slip in different excuses, but um, there's ways to combat those. Um, and then finally, organizing really means having private one-on-one -on -one conversations with coworkers under the radar of bosses for as long as possible. Um, it's not waving a banner and like rallying the troops. It's not storming the barricades or making like big political speeches or whatever. It's really about one-on-one -on -one conversations. It's about actually sitting down with your coworker and being like, Hey, how are things going for you? Right? Like what, what, what are you facing in the workplace? How are you doing? Like what issues do you feel like we're all facing that we could be like fixing together? Right. And really coming to learn and listen to people. It's not about providing answers and perfect solutions. It's about genuinely listening with an open mind and an open heart to your coworkers and learning about them and building genuine care and empathy in the workplace. Um, I, I had a, a labor organizer kind of mentor of mine once tell me that to her labor organizing is about building a culture of care in the workplace. And I, I really like that idea. Um, and I think it really speaks to me and I think it speaks to the values of a lot of the organizers who work in the games industry. Um, we care about our workplaces. We care about our coworkers. We care about the games we make. We care about our companies. Um, we just want to see them improve. We want to see them become more efficient. We want to see them make higher quality games. We want to see people treated better and, you know, living healthy, stable lives, you know, being able to take care of their families and not worry about, you know, their job falling out from under them. Um, that's why we do this. We do this because we care about people. And I think keeping that in mind is really important. And yeah, so some of the effects unions have, and this is very clear from uh, the last couple centuries, frankly, of labor history and from uh, many other comparable industries, um, is that, you know, uh, unions really do um, provide a lot of safety um, for people. It prioritizes worker conditions over profit-driven motives, um, you know, worker investment in their craft and studio, establishing fair standards, providing structure for internships and apprenticeships, ensuring equal pay for people, um, and demonstrating that workers create value and profit in art, right? Um, and yeah, it allows us to start reclaiming essentially the product that we make ourselves and making sure that the people who do it are taken care of. Um, and so that's really essential to keep in mind as well. Um, and yeah. All right. Um, all right, great. So um, just to kind of get back up to speed, um, apologies for the, the dropout. Um, yeah, as essentially unions accomplish 
you know, a lot for us to do, like in this industry, it can really improve industries, you know, really wholesale, not just in the quality of working within the industry, but also the quality of the product, right? Um, it's something like uh, unionized workforces on average have a 27% increase in pay and a like 15 or 20% increase in quality of product as a whole um, compared to the rest of their non-union uh, companies in the industry that they're within. So um, there's no reason why that wouldn't hold true for um, games as well. So there's a lot that we can accomplish with the union, not just in terms of the workplace, but also the quality of the games we make as well. So um, one of the vehicles through which a lot of us are trying to accomplish this is through Game Workers Unite. Um, essentially at the core, Game Workers Unite is an international grassroots movement and organization dedicated to unionizing the games industry. Um, we are not a union uh, because it is international. It's pretty much impossible to have a union at that scale. Um, and it would be very top down and that's really not the method we really believe in for organizing. Um, it's really more of a grassroots community through which organizers can learn from one another and share uh, kind of experiences and train one another up and build um, an actual movement from the ground up in our local communities. So we see ourselves having essentially kind of three main goals. And this map on the right is kind of uh, shows a little bit of our growth. Um, we've been around for just about over a year now, um, a year and a couple of months. Um, and we essentially went from having kind of like a single group chat online with, you know, a couple dozen game, de game developers who were kind of upset with conditions in the industry. And within a year's time, we've had, you know, an explosive amount of people get involved, people with a lot of interest. Um, and we now have 26 chapters uh, around the world on four continents. Um, we have some chapters coming in Southeast Asia and East Asia soon, um, which we're very excited about. And we have membership on all continents. Um, of course, except for Antarctica, which that would be cool, but I don't think there are any game developers there. Um, but yeah, so we see ourselves as having three main goals, which is one, to build up and train up local organizing communities on the ground level. Those are our local chapters. And we do things like providing organizer training to them so they know how to actually go about organizing in their community, connecting them to um, sister chapters from around the world to promote like kind of knowledge sharing and, and helping one another. Um, and, and connecting them to resources on a larger scale. We also, second, provide an international community of organizers. Um, we have a large community online, uh, about, I think it's about 800 people now, all told. Um, and uh, it's, it's a space essentially where people can um, make projects, discuss issues of the day, share news, um, you know, provide organizer training again for one another online. Um, and, and really thinking about these things on a larger regional and international scale. So that way we can really coordinate beyond just what we could do in our own local vicinities because we genuinely are stronger than um, if we were all alone, right? And finally, Game Workers Unite is pretty much best known for um, this third point, which is agitation and education around labor issues in the games industry. Um, and, you know, doing things like educating about issues we're facing, you know, kind of engaging with people at different conference events and online, um, pr pr like sending out literature and, and all kinds of materials to kind of get people trained up and educated more on these issues. And so we do a lot of that work as well. Um, and that's kind of the crux of Game Workers Unite. Those are really the three things we do. Um, and, and over the last year, we've seen, you know, various local chapters establish um, new national unions with actual members, you know, paying dues and organizing workplaces and getting training and stuff. 
Um, and that's really been exciting. Um, in addition, we've also been, you know, supporting existing games unions, you know, places like, um, you know, the STGV in France, um, Solidaire Informatique in France, again, who has union representation in Activision Blizzard Studios out there. Um, folks in Sweden are unionized. Uh, there's a, a games union in Finland that, you know, I think is doing really amazing work. And so the idea is to continue spreading this throughout the world. Um, and really building that really strong international foundation because this industry is international. These companies are international. And to really have an effective labor movement, we really believe in having an, a, a strong grassroots-based international community that can actually kind of take on these issues and work together. Um, so there's a lot of ways in which people get involved and it doesn't have to just be through Game Workers Unite. I think it's wonderful if people just organize on their own as well. There's no pressure to do that, but everyone is welcome to kind of get involved and learn more. Um, we always need more help um, for workers uh, in the industry, whether you're like a full-time employee or a contractor or, you know, what have you. Um, the most important thing you can do is talk with your coworkers about things in your workplace. Like actually get to learn about one another, actually learn to support each other. Do things like take organizer training, either with an existing union around you, or we have our online and local training programs that are open to everyone. Um, and, uh, you know, join Game Workers Unite. For students, I'd say refuse to accept crunch in your programs. Um, I went through a game school and uh, it really taught me and everyone else to crunch and to accept it and be kind of grateful for it. It's really messed up. Um, so refuse to accept that mindset, um, even if you have to go through it make sure you never become used to it because it's not healthy for anyone. Um, even if you feel like you can take it, which I'm a workaholic, I can take crunch. It's still not a good precedent to set for my fellow coworkers. Um, fight to improve your schools and you're completely welcome in Game Workers Unite as well. We have a lot of students who are always doing agitation, education work around this and trying to educate their fellow students about this stuff. For academics, um, please teach labor issues in your work, in, in, in your programs. Don't just keep it to theory. Don't just keep it to the absolute basics. Please talk about the realities of living in this industry and working in this industry. Um, let your students enter this industry with open eyes and not be caught off guard. Um, and stop training crunch into the behaviors of, of new developers. For the media, just like with this, um, educate your audience, highlight worker voices, because that's really important. So many of these articles that we talk about are really featuring CEOs and stuff. And yes, it's good to talk to them. Yes, it's good to call them out when they say mess up things or do bad things, but it's actually more important to highlight worker voices in particular um, because uh, one, we know better than anyone else what our issues are and how to fix them. And uh, I think it's more important to highlight a typical worker on a project than the CEO. Whatever their line is, isn't going to be the real reality of what it, may, it took to make those games, right? And then uh, players, uh, you have a role to play as well. Educate yourself, share information in your communities, you know, stay abreast of like developments in the industry and uh, stay an informed consumer. It's, it's really helpful to have people within our spaces, um, you know, advocating for de developers. It, it goes a long way. And finally, even with bosses, there's ways for you to be involved. Um, be neutral in your workplace and voice that neutrality. Don't try to pressure your workers to unionize or not unionize. Let them make their own decisions and don't try to get involved yourself because that can be a really uncomfortable situation. We've seen a lot of bosses kind of go out there and be like, oh, I'm pro-union, this is really great. Um, you know, I really want you to do this. And then that's kind of a weird 
dynamic and it makes it really uncomfortable for the workers. So let them handle things on their own. If they're going to do it, they're going to do it. Um, and support whatever decision your kind of workers make. And then finally, if you're like any of the many um, kind of smaller or mid-sized studios that have come to Game Workers Unite in the last couple, like of the last year, um, and mentioned that they're pro-union, something we've always, you know, kind of helped them with is talk to them about like, well, if you're pro-union and if you care about your workers and you care about democracy in the workplace and you care about, you know, making sure things are fair and equal, don't have a traditional kind of top-down hierarchy. Transition to a worker cooperative where everyone gets to have their voice heard and it's in the structure of the company, right? And we've seen lots of uh, groups do that now. We, we've seen a lot of smaller studios in particular um, transition from a typical company to being a worker cooperative. And Game Workers Unite is happy to help with that. We have resources on our website. People can reach out to us. Um, and we'd, we'd love to help people with that process because it, it can be tricky. Um, but it's an option that people have been doing all around the world in the games industry. And it's you don't have to you know go it alone. So that's pretty much everything I wanted to highlight here. Um, I definitely want to end with emphasizing again that to me and to a lot of us, labor organizing is really about building a culture of care, which I think is a sentiment that um, will really help people um, if they try to even just start taking the first baby steps towards organizing in their workplace. Going into it with empathy and genuine care for your coworkers will get you a lot further than trying to outlogic people or you know convince them of different persuasions like, just talk to them, listen to them, ask them questions, learn about them. That's what's most important. Um, if people want a full list of our kind of local and national chapters, you can follow the link here, gameworkersunite.org slash get involved. And on our main page of gameworkersunite.org, there's a list of existing game unions um, around the world. And people in those countries can actually go and join them today. So I would encourage people to do that if they feel like there's a good fit. Um, and if people ever want to reach me, I do a lot of advising on campaigns around the world and particularly in the North America region. I do organizer training. So if any of that stuff appeals to anyone, um, you can always hit me at Emma at GameWorkersUnite.org or on Twitter at Emma Kanema. Uh, and yeah, that's the bit. So yeah, thanks for having me on to kind of give that spiel because I think it's important oh, information. No, it was, it was obviously you're the first choice for a keynote. We have a great relationship with you thus far. We've done three events together now, and we always appreciate your support, and we always give you our support. So before we get into more back padding, because I definitely want to send you off properly, uh, I did pull a question from the Twitch audience. Uh, user Pure Evil asks, how do you recommend opposing crunch while you're in your bachelor program? So assuming you're a student, maybe you're already working very hard on your projects, and then you work for a yeah. studio, maybe doing like part-time hours or even full-time potentially, what can you do to like get out of the crunch or to have to like put your, your education first, I believe is the type of question he's trying to ask. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, it's, it's a tough one. Um, essentially, I would say ref refuse to accept things as they are and help your fellow students and your teachers imagine a better way to do this, a better way to actually teach people. And even if you can't immediately like fix whatever class or program you're in, um, actually planning forward and like talking with your professors to build a new curriculum for the people who come after you is really crucial. Um, I know myself and some other students, when I was in my program, we did that. We had regular meetings with our faculty trying to um, outline the issues we were facing as students and try to find kind of like a four or five year plan where we could start transitioning to having more healthy work hours, to having fewer kind of massive projects to work on at a time and having more support from both the faculty and the school in general. Um, 
it takes conversations and it takes a lot of patience is what I would say. But, um, you know, and personally, you know, if you're running a project for like a thesis or something, do a good job of leading and making sure people aren't overworking themselves. If people are staying too late at night working on a project, ask them to go home. Like, you don't have to break people for making games. Like, we're not saving lives here, we're making games. It's okay, like, you can go home. And I think and bringing then, that uh, to the... I'm sorry, and then is there anything that I could do as that same student? Let's say now, instead of school, let's say I did have school too, but then also work. Like, hey, yep, we're, we're going gold yeah. in two weeks. You know, we need all hands on deck. Is there anything that I could possibly do in that scenario to help kind of alleviate the crunch to keep more focus on the schooling side? Or, I mean, because it's probably sure. different for each situation and it's a tough question to ask you, but I mean, I figured I may as well. Yeah. No, it's a great question. Um, and I've definitely been there. Um, I definitely worked part-time game jobs while being in school. Um, you know, it's kind of impossible to magically wave a wand and fix these things. Yeah. Really, 100%. it's all about working towards the future, right? Um, and and that's really the only way to make sustainable change. It's, it's tough because you might have to bear with it in the meantime, um, yeah. but it, it's super important to be laying that foundation moving forward. Um, something I always say, and you know, it's not a, a direct relation to your question, but something I always say is like, you can't just be organizing when shit hits the fan at work, right? If, yeah. if things blow up at work or there's a big controversy or the boss did something awful, that's not the time to start organizing. You need to have been organizing in the days and weeks and months prior to that, building that foundation, building common connections, building ways of communicating and making group decisions. So that way, when something like that happens, you can be prepared for it and actually affect real change in the workplace and stand up for yourselves. If it's just yourself, if, if it's just in the moment, um, you're not gonna be able to affect a lot. You really have to be um, planning for these kinds of things and doing that day-to-day -day work that allows you to act when those urgent situations happen. Um, otherwise, you're kind of left hung up to dry. So it's not an easy or fun answer, but no, that's yeah, kind of the reality. But that's the reality, exactly, is you know, sometimes it's not about the shortcut, but the long cut is actually the only way, right? Like the direct path is the hard path. Yeah, and we mentioned before uh, when we were buying time, uh, <laughs> how Riot was such a monumental period for game developers right now. and. Uh, I think on one side of the sentiment, of course, the employer side, is kind of just waiting for it to blow over. They're playing nice, <clears throat> which is what they should be. I mean, they can't really do anything else but say, yeah, you guys can have your little, yeah. little, little <laughs> say, little go ahead. Oh. Just be sure to be back the next day. <laughs> right? I'm saying it. I'm not employed right now. I'm fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> but like, but that's, it's such a huge thing. And I know, uh, workplaces everywhere especially these the heads of these major companies is looking at riot right now and seeing how they're Want responding to see how it plays out. and that is i think one of the biggest difference that i've seen at least in my over a decade of being in the game industry that i have not seen that type of response where they're actually here's a big player uh doing crazy success right we're twitch we're, we're, we're streaming on twitch they're number two of all the time on the top of that list of games being played and employers are looking at like this used to be the place where everybody wanted to be and some still but with the controversy that is bubbling around it uh i i feel a lot of uh, talented developers are leaving and a lot of talented developers are more apprehensive from joining and 
I, I would love to jump in right now and Emma, please co-sign or tell me no, I'm wrong. <laughs> but I, I think that it would be great if these companies that we're watching were being like proactive and saying, okay, well, clearly this isn't an issue that's just happening at Riot. It's probably just not bubbling up everywhere else. But what can we do as a company to prevent measures like this from happening here? And I don't mean prevent as in sweep it under the rug, but be like, hey, you know what? We're going to have a town hall. We just want to air grievances. We want to see as a company, are we helping you guys? Yeah. Are we making this a great place to work? Well, as a company, I feel, I feel everyone's like, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not execute, uh, you know. But that's what I'd be doing though, right? Like, because, I mean, let's say in the event that things go very, very well for the unionized workers right. who did march out and like great changes happen, you would hate to be the company who's like, oh shit, like now the heads are rolling. Now we're going to do something because you come out on the same end as the right end, I would say, versus being the like, hey, okay, you know what? We see this is happening somewhere else. Yeah. Let's, let's try to attack it before it becomes a problem here. We might not even know. Yeah. Like I'm going to say in all fairness, a lot of the top head execs probably don't know the day-to-day of the yeah. Joe's, Susie, of Sally's, course. and Mike's. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. In this case, it's one of the heads. But anyways, <laughs> like, I, I guess it goes back to, I think a lot of people want to not just accept the status quo, which yeah. is uh, uh, companies closing left and right. Uh, uh, workers are just um, having a hard time. It's getting churned. Getting churn, yeah. a lot of turnover rates, the, and and the unless you're living next to these meccas, we're talking about Los Angeles, San Francisco, Texas, Seattle, that have a group of these companies. Most people have to commute, even with those, right? Because those are major cities now. Yeah. It's super expensive to live there, and most people, if you're listening, you're probably sitting and you spent an hour plus commuting to work today and that's just the reality because it's getting more and more centralized around these places and so you have less and less choices to live where you want to live right and so most people get scared to kind of speak up or just kind of move along but with that being said with 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 the status quo being as it is unstable why are there still because i feel before we even talk to employers which we should the, the our colleagues I feel like there's still a part or a segment that is still opposed to unionization, either because they're they're just the U.S. sentiment. I, I feel like the United States just has a, a bad, bad, bad reasoning behind it or something. But I feel like developers right now are. I, I constantly get it's like no, no unionization. Is it because they don't have the full information, or they just think it's a, it's very polarizing? It's either this. Or everything. What's usually been like the most common thing that you have to like educate when you're talking to people about potential unionization strategies or the empowerment behind collective bargaining in the game industry, Emma? Sure. Um, So there were a lot of threads to touch on, but I'll start with that last one. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, No, it's all good. Um, Really good questions. Um, I would say the number one thing. at least in the United States, I think you're right to note that the United States is kind of exceptional in being pretty anti-union by default. Um, There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, The last five decades has seen essentially the decimation of our labor movement. And so they're really weak. They've become um, on the whole pretty cooperative of management. They don't really, you know, there's a lot of issues to be identified. Um, They're still good. They're better than not being in a union, but they could be stronger and better, right? Um, But I think the number one thing, at least in the United States is um, helping people understand actually what a union is. Because I think a lot of the time 
Um, the most common thing you'll hear is like people having concerns about, you know, some external group coming in, getting between us and our work and setting up all kinds of weird red tape and regulations when that's actually not how unions really function. Um, and and so I think doing a lot of kind of basic anti-union myth busting is really important. That's something uh, that is really good to do. But I also think it's less common than might be expected. I think a lot of organizers are regularly quite surprised. Like they start talking to someone about issues in the workplace and people naturally kind of drift towards collective solutions as well. So it's pretty easy to go from there to be like, hey, there's a group of us interested in doing that. We meet every week or two and we'd love to have you there to help make decisions. Like that's what a union is. It, it's it's as simple as that. And it can always stay as simple as that if that's what the workers themselves want in their studio. Right. So I think helping people understand that a union is you and your coworkers working together and then um, that it, it can be defined by you all. You can choose the issues you want to fix yourself. You can choose the tactics by which you want to fix them. You can choose what groups you'd like to organize with um, and get support from. It's up to you and your coworkers. And I think that kind of frees, I think, a lot of people up to actually consider it with a pretty open mind. Um, and you know, certainly outside of the United States, it's it's a more ready acceptance. I think um, more people are educated on labor and unionization and all that business. Um, but it, there's always still stuff like that, and it's okay if people aren't pro-union or if they're actively anti-union. That's to be expected. And I think the main thing is understanding that when you're organizing in your workplace, it's about finding issues that are affecting people personally on their own individual kind of context. And I think. If you can do that, if you can learn about your coworkers, that's how you build real connection and solidarity, and that's how you actually build a decent movement. Um, and people will be drifting towards that when they see that in action and seeing real change being made, um, yeah. pretty naturally. Well, um, now to go back to backpatting before we give you your send off. Uh, first, I just want to say thank you very much for giving us an opportunity to further your cause and to give you a platform again to speak to our brothers and sisters out there developing games. Uh, we really appreciate everything that's going on there. Um, again, we, Game Dev Unchained, are 100% behind you. So whenever we can be utilized in any way to help, you know, if you need us to wear t-shirts, if you need us to pass out flyers, informations, bring more people to your website, Game Workers Unite, bring more people to your Twitter, Emma Kanema, all you have to do is just let us know. We are 100% behind you. And, you know, we want to keep carrying that torch as well. So thank you so much for being a part of the first GDUX Expo. Couldn't have been a better kickoff. So happy that you were the first one up. First penguin in the water to tell the other ones it's safe. So thank you so much. We, I, just, I just really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much, Emma. Yeah, and thank you both for having me on and allowing us to even have this platform to share this with everyone. Um, and it's been great being on your podcast multiple times. And yeah, always interested and willing to be a guest anytime you need me as well. So, and yeah, apologies for the, the all the technical issues. Um, this is it part is of the fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's how we it's prove it's live. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's how we prove it's it was, live. There's no way in hell we would do this if it's not. <laughs> but uh, thank sure. you again, Kenna. I'm gonna, and we'll uh, provide all the links and everything. Everybody, check out Game Workers Unite. Check out at Emma Kenema on Twitter and uh, thank you so much yeah of course have a great rest of the time so thanks for listening to our podcast I hope that you're a subscriber but if you aren't please feel free to follow us on any of the major podcast platforms especially iTunes or Spotify 
You can find show notes and more resources available to help you become a successful game developer. Just go on over to our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. If you're interested in keeping the conversation going, then definitely come check us out in Discord where we chat in real time for After Show Tuesdays to discuss episodes and Feedback Fridays where we share screenshots on the projects that we're currently working on. If you go over to Patreon.com, you can support our podcast financially. And if you do so, you get access to Life Unchained, our on-the-pulse, unfiltered game dev gossip content that we make exclusively for our Patreon supporters. And as usual, you can keep in touch and follow our happenings on Facebook and Twitter. That's Game Dev Unchained, the podcast.